ton about uh, a ton about the globe. Mark Solheim, that worked for Paps Theater Group, he was really instrumental there, as I understand. Um, or at least that that was my inroad when I first started going to shows. Uh-huh. Is that, um, that they did a bunch of bands that I really admired. Cool. And I can't remember the exact reason why it shut down. What the terms were. Is but that it, building still there? Or did yeah, it the, get, yeah, the oh, building is okay. still there. So uh, then it was Hotel Foster later in life. And then after Hotel is Foster. It like Snack Boys? Is it, it was Snack Back Boys. Boy? From, oh. Yeah, totally. There was something in between that I can't quite remember what that was. Interesting. But yeah, okay. then it was Snack Boys. Never then been it was, in there. Um, yeah. Nice Times. And as far as I know, it's empty right now. Mm-hmm. But they did have like a neat stage and a really high ceilings and kind of like an upper balcony. And yep, yep. And they have yeah. that like little, um, yeah, the, bal- the outside balcony. Yeah, totally. Yeah, which yeah. is really nice. Interesting. Yeah, I heard that's kind of legendary, the Globe on North. For sure. Yeah. Right. And since then, like North Avenue's kind of died out as far as like having a lot of nightlife live. and live entertainment. Because wasn't there something by the um, Insomnia uh, and the Beard, MKE Beard? company where like it burnt down a few years ago like a big uh, fire yeah yeah, that was uh pizza man but so yeah there's a lot of uh hot action on that north avenue oakland there was a sinkhole at one point when i worked at beans and barley interesting yeah Yeah, there's great video footage i'm I'm sure on youtube gotcha (laughs) okay so you're originally from milwaukee are you i grew up in the north suburbs yeah north suburbs okay Mm -hmm. which city in Mequon. Okay, I'm from West Bend. So okay, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yes. Same neighborhood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, flavor profile, sort of. <laughs> gotcha. And then you moved to Milwaukee at some point. Um, how did you get, like, your start in, like, the music scene slash, like, when was it? I don't know. I'm kind of just going for, like, a broad Yeah, overview. totally, totally, yeah. totally. So um, my really cool cousin played the drums when I was in middle school. And then Peter Murphy, who's in Snag right now, um, oh, sure. he started a band when we were in middle school with a couple of our friends and I was like I'm gonna be in a band I'm gonna start a band and so we started I started playing with people in seventh grade and then there was a Logaman Community Center which was like a putsy little building behind a cemetery in Mequon that did a bunch of mm. hardcore shows that, that were Whoa. totally unaffiliated with what our middle school selves were doing um, but there was Mequon Music was an independent music store there too so we did like started organizing our own shows in middle school and then there was like a battle of the bands at the rave and my mom brought us down there because like we're the only all-girl band and Mm. so that was kind of how it all started was just like that's an early start calamity of Yeah. yeah just like playing music and like meeting people through that and like really early on at that like dorky battle of the bands at the rave met kids that were from Stoughton and so we like went and mm-hmm. played the Stoughton Youth Center and to me that was like where the magic was just so evident of like oh there is like this like-minded web of folks that are interested in these alternative ideas and at that time I didn't even know what the implications of that were mm-hmm. other than like oh this is exciting like there's right. more to be learned and understood or whatever um and at the time like river west had like a really robust house show scene and Sherwood legion hall was still a thing and so on wilson drive um there still is a building there but it's way different um but a lot of our formative like all ages shows were at these legion halls which to be honest are like were such like a cool double use of the space where they like the american legion was in established to help support like veterans and like the idea of like returning and yep. the semblance of like community building is it that building space. that 
is right. So if you turn right on Wilson from Capitol and it's basically there's like a police station maybe there and yeah. then the Legion. Uh-huh, for wow. Sure. I, I sold uh, Christmas trees there one winter in there that parking go. lot. Yeah, yeah community totally. space. Bring it all together. Yeah. Okay. No but exactly. so, um, so we went to a ton of shows there or we told our parents that we were going to shows there and would walk from there to Mad Planet was still doing all ages shows at the time too, which was really important and exciting for us and a lot of like big local bands like temper temper would do an all ages show that's early no drinking and then do a 21 plus show Mm. and that was like a really exciting way for younger kids to kind of tap in and get involved interesting what Um, year was this around what year was temper temper if i had to guess like 2004 2005 something of that sort maybe 2006 um sounds like a completely different world (laughs) yes and no but it's like there's it's like funny where there's still like similar archetypes of these figures where it's like the scene right now in milwaukee is so young and so exciting there's so much going on but it felt very like represented it just kind of always comes in waves and so like that chapter um was really important to me where it was like bands like call me lightning and since by man um we're touring nationally and making music that was super exciting to us. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, just like kind of exemplifying this possibility of what we can do and like what we can make and how we can make it on our own terms. Right. Um, so that's kind of how it all. In like middle school. And then start, yeah, started yeah. middle school, but then I didn't really like get into like the real scene, whatever that means, um, until high school. And then in high school I was playing, uh, played with one band for a couple of years and then um a few people and i started a band called cougar den what was like political scramsy screamo-y um in nature and that was like the first project that like i toured with extensively and that was like all right we're doing it we're making the cd we're making it happen yeah yeah um but that was more like yeah 2005 to 2009 ish something that's all Interesting. Yeah, you got an early start to I mean, <laughs> doing that. That's something. awesome. That's yeah. so cool. It's really goofy. Um, but it felt like really intuitive. Like this is what you do. Like yeah. you just make up your rules. Like your, mm-hmm. the rules as you go. And um, I think out. because that was modeled by like folks that were slightly older than us, it made it feel that much more real and tangible and possible. Uh huh. So was Cactus Club a venue during all of that when you were totally cactus was a venue during all that we played kudan played there first time i think in 2006 or 2007 maybe it was 2008 i can't remember but they did do a handful of all ages shows but it was a similar thing that before we got the code changed you had to lock all the liquor up you had to like lock all the cabinets you had to take all the uh, bar taps off because god forbid the cho- the youth see oh, any of this oh, and that's wow. it was like very uh misdirected energy and there's no incentive for venues to do it because most venues make the most men yeah most small venues make their money off of bar sales right. not the door because the door should go to the artists mm-hmm. um but if you're selling two dollar sodas and there's a hundred people you still there's not a lot to chop <laughs> yeah, up from right, that right, right? um But regardless, there was, I guess, um, more consideration at the time for it because Cactus Club stopped doing all ages, Mad Plant stopped doing all ages. There was also, uh, I was told by both of them that there was like concerns with liability from insurance companies that had been heightened due to 
um, during that time as well. So mm. it, I do think it did really make it a difference and impact uh, young participation, though, when that was eliminated. And obviously, there's still house shows and basement shows that really supplemented it. Mm -hmm. But there's something very significant about being able to go to a space and play a space at and congregate and still have good sound and still be on your terms, you know? Right, right. What are the big all-ages venues in Milwaukee? Right now? Right, yeah, right now. Um, Miramar, that Miramar, doesn't do yep. nearly enough, but I say that affectionately. I think th the space is awesome. They just did a big remodel. I went for yeah, a, yeah. Um, a open mic that uh, Kay, who works at Cactus, performed at. That was super cool. Kia Rap Princess did a set at the end with a bunch of others at Myanmar at Myanmar oh, cool. it was a really it was really strange on a Sunday night but really neat um but it's just the crossroads of UWM and Riverside High School and like I mean the accessibility yeah. is right on the bus lines it's, yep. uh but so they're an option um Collectiva is an option Cactus Collectiva. is an option Turner Anodyne and Bruce is an option mm -hmm. um X-Ray which obviously is in Cudahy but close enough yep, yep. um awesome option I don't know, yeah, beyond that, you might know more than yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, honest. okay, I mean, everyone you said, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but of course, totally. but of course. Yeah. Um, but now all you have to do is, as a bar, uh, is get a Center for Performing Arts license to enable you to do all-ages shows before you needed a stage that was the size of Turner mm. Hall or you needed art that was verified by art critics and whoa, like they, these whoa, like very what? like stupid gatekeepy um, terms for uh how you could host all ages shows because it was like this huge fear that like makes youth and alcohol mm -hmm. and it's like you can go to the movie theaters and sit next to somebody drinking a beer you right. can go to the basketball game right why not like stand next to someone watching music totally so you just have to apply for that license mm -hmm. okay yeah so it's really nominal in the scope of things but i think more people have apprehension about the liability of being like okay now that we have these young people how do we ensure that no one's going to do anything right totally out of pocket yeah which does that mean you have to hire more secure have a little bit more of a different approach to running a show i don't know i think it depends on the culture of the space yeah. also the rave is in all ages too i don't oh, i didn't sure. note, note that but obviously the yeah rave. that's an option too okay. um but yeah different spaces have different i think like cultures and climates for how they deal with it uh, -huh. uh cactus i feel like is pretty hands-off and overall people have been really respectful of the space uh -huh. and the expectations when did did you ever picture yourself running your own venue or no absolutely not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back no, in the day no, no um my dad asked me a long time ago if that would ever be of interest and i was like absolutely not um but it was kind of like a collision of um things that happened that just like made it possible insofar as uh -huh. like um, my dad got sick and I was in a graduate program and I was like, okay, I have to redirect my energy. And the former owner of Cactus was in a space where he wasn't eager to be booking shows. And so, um, I was asked to kind of step up and I thought, okay, I'm going to step up for a few weeks or a couple months or whatever that looks like. Were you and working there? At any yeah. Point? Okay. Yeah. So I started working at Cactus. Um, I studied abroad when I was turning 21 and Prior to leaving, Eric and I had, like, uh, competed for shows. Eric was the old owner of Cactus. Okay. And there was a show with Lightning Bolt that we did at the Pritzloff space, you know, like, fancy wedding venue. Pritzloff space. Um, it's, like, two blocks, three blocks west of um, the Milwaukee Public Market. 
Mm, in the third ward then yeah totally mm. and there's okay. like beautiful old buildings there's uh kind of by a i think a speedway gas stations right across the street there it's oh okay yep I they know do the some area. like maker markets uh hovercraft i host there okay. but at the time this is yeah 2010 i think it was still not renovated and like they were renting it to some some myad kids for mm. four or five hundred bucks a month for these like artist lofts whatever okay and so we hosted this lightning bolt show with john the savage and a handful of a couple other bands and 350 400 people showed up and it was just over the moon bananas <laughs> cuckoo uh but at the time eric was like i wanted that show i'd been talking to the agent we had announced the show before it was like totally confirmed because mm. at the time i didn't know at all what i was doing i mean i still don't really know what i'm doing in yeah. the scope of like music industry standards it's just like we do it feels right and we're learning as we go yep but um how did i get on this rant um, oh how i got involved at cactus yeah. so yeah so um we've so been as far doing as like some when shows you mean like competing for shows as far as like being the one in charge to run a certain show or yeah or to get the show so like eric had wanted that show for cactus club and at the time oh, i like wasn't I even on my radar um my uh, bands had played at cactus before but w i wasn't involved at that time and then after i left he had e messaged me and was like do you want to bartend here and i was like I don't know how to bartend, but sure, why not? <laughs> and so that's how, that was 2011, I started bartending happy hours there. And it was really passive, sure. um, but it was a cool, fun, easy job. And that I worked uh, with a lot of really great people. And like the common denominator was less so like a hospitality and service industry. Um, but everyone that worked there played music and was involved in uh, like various projects. And mm -hmm. that was what was like super special and like the fun fabric of like, what's the point? This is it. Like and constantly showing one another new stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was 2011 to 2016 ish. Which is sounds like the, the birth of just like the or maybe was Cactus Club always kind of artsy like oh, kind of like very sure. community yeah. driven like before that too and yeah totally so the history of cactus is so tight where okay yeah no it like and obviously i'm biased but like um the building in has just a really radical history where like in the 1910s uh and 20s italian anarchists used to use it as like a social club and social center and there's like a book club called the dramatic loves lovers social study club and that's where the band that's presently a milwaukee dramatic lovers got its name from ah. um but they were anti-war anti-imperialism just like young folks maybe first generation maybe second generation immigrants because at the time baby was super manufacturing sure. um working class uh and so that was one chapter of it and then fast forward to the 50s where Cliff and Alice Rose bought it and they wanted to make it a country and western bar because at that Ooh. time those were separate genres, obviously. Uh -huh. I didn't know that at the time. But Actually, I don't think I knew that yeah, either. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah, but of course. But so according to the lore that I was told, it was also still like a towny corner bar. So a bunch of the regulars put names in the hat for what a country and western bar should be called. And that's how Cactus ah. Club came to be before it was called Bolina's Tap. Okay. Um, and it was real cute. The 
granddaughter or niece of one of the owners of Belina's Tap recently gave me a tablecloth that she had like had Ooh, forever. Like a, an old one from that Yeah, time? it yeah. was just like kind of a blue and white plaid cute <laughs> tablecloth, but like signed her name and like this existed in 1940 or 1950, whatever. Cool. cool. Super sweet. So what's really neat is like there's all these sort of connotations of the space, but in the 50s even it was hosting weddings, hosting birthday parties. Um, in just this reliable spot to kind of congregate and get together and exhale and like sort of share and celebrate like sustenance of life kind of shit. And so they had passively gotten a public entertainment license at the time because they were like, oh, we'll throw parties. And I'm sure it was so nominal, like, cool, for an extra $2 a year, you can host events legally. right. And so they had renewed that for decades. And then in the early 90s, um, Eric had gotten, Eric, the last owner before me, um, had pitched the idea of throwing a show. And they were like, I don't know about this, but sure, yeah. They'd had like a crazy few years where like the owner before that had died in the back room on his 40th birthday choking on a steak or a hamburger or some sort of, (laughs) <laughs> some sort of nightcap dinner moment Whoa. yeah super bananas and like with all due respect super bananas um but yeah uh-huh. so like his widow um uh, or his wife ex-wife wife what you yeah, know what i'm trying yep, to say yep. um she had been running <clears throat> it but she had two kids and then her mother-in-law still lived upstairs, upstairs sure. um so there was a lot of kind of moving pieces of instability and so eric had pitched like doing the show and they're like uh sure and then all these folks came to this. I don't remember, or don't, I not remember. I was two years old. Um, <laughs> but uh, remember what the show was exactly. But a bunch of people came. The bar did really well. And they're kind of like, oh, this this is cool. Yeah, you yeah. can start bartending here. Cool. Um, or at least that's how it's been shared to me. Yeah. That's the, the iteration I got. But so from that time, Eric was really tapped in and had really good taste in music and this is pre-internet so it's really wild to reflect on booking a tour and looking through a phone book and calling venues based on these like word of mouth references but also lots of like seminal indie bands were start uh and labels were starting at this time too as Mm -hmm. this sort of departure from mainstream big commercial Mm -hmm. um labels and what that all entails so from the early or mid 90s it was well acknowledged and regarded as like a, and eric always prioritized the room sounding really good and so mm-hmm. that was always a point of um real preoccupation in a positive way yeah so yeah what, so is, from what is eric's full name eric yuki Yuki, yeah, okay. shout out Eric, yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, seriously. he's actually up. He lives in Michigan in the UP right now, so he's still cool. involved in a or like uh, still in the mix. Is he still doing music stuff up there? Not, I mean, no, no. not organizing music. Still, uh, still music enthusiast. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's his own. Yeah, well. I, just, I was super I'm just, I know. I was like, <laughs> I'm right. just like soaking it in. <laughs> Same with uh, I recently had John of the Violent Femmes on, and it was so great just like hearing him talk about the old, olden days Uh-oh. of music booking and just like, going through the phone book and calling all of the venues one by one and just like pitching, uh, sending a cassette. Paper. Or, yeah, totally. Yeah, Which yeah. is that's to be clear, well before my time. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I started doing stuff, it was like MySpace. MySpace had just debuted, mm. and Pure Volume was a website that a lot. It was like w- kind of the equivalent of 
Bandcamp without all of the way more artist-centered elements of Bandcamp. Um, but MySpace transformed the possibilities of how music could be booked or how tours could be orchestrated. Mm -hmm. And that was really formative for me and like meeting people and kind of being like, oh, this is how this works. So going back to the like label, um, when you you mentioned that labels are like changing from the big industry to breaking up into smaller pieces, like what was that all about? That was before that, my time. I can't oh, speak, really? Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't okay. speak intelligently <laughs> about it other than like I know yeah. that at that time that was um, like a lot of uh, – the cactus alumni that people love to reference like white stripes and queens of the stone age and mm -hmm. interpol and bright eyes and whatever whatever that's when uh, a lot of those bands were really in their infancy and like really trying to find their footing and gotcha touring a lot gotcha so you were bartending there for a while and yeah then... so at well after that uh starting in like 2011 i okay. was bartending there and so cactus you... was like well established had like yeah. many chapters before yep and then were you still doing your own music projects during the time or were you? Yeah, totally. I was in school a lot. Um, so it was like, okay. oh, is this duality of um, it existing in like as this person that identified with like DIY, anarcho-syndicalist, uh, punk ideals. And then this person that, that's an academic that's studying um global economics and what does like legitimate diplomacy in like a development centered way look like and like from an anti-imperial lens and so uh i was studying water security um for my graduate program but was still playing music the whole time that was a really long answer to a simple question i was <laughs> playing i was playing drums uh yeah in various projects though yeah. um but yeah Cool. Not as, uh, I guess, um, intentionally or uh, with that, not touring as uh, as much as I had. Okay, gotcha. Like, how far did you tour and everything? And like, were you um, were you kind of doing doing the dang thing? Sort of. Yeah. yeah. In our own, I mean, in the way that we knew how. So, yeah. uh, Justy, who plays in X Harlo and Blue Anxiety now, um, them. Uh, this person, Bobby Reitman, who's on the, a WUWM show right now, um, mm -hmm. and I met in high school. And our senior year, we bought a little blue school or little school bus that we painted baby blue. Oh, cool! And we were gonna convert the school bus to veggie oil because that was the right thing to do, ah. and it was diesel. And so we like looked up videos on how to do that but we couldn't afford like the right conversion <laughs> kit so we like made it ourselves where we put a garbage can inside another garbage can we cut out the one garbage can's bottom and put screen on it and then put a different screen on the top oh, and had a little nozzle on the bottom and so we'd go to like Chinese restaurants on tour and Whoa. in the, like, the grease bins just like bucket out and put it and filter it so the bus always smelled just like <laughs> like grease. Yeah. Um, but doing it that way, you could do the conversion kit of a one-to-one -one ratio of uh, veggie oil to diesel. And we thought we were just the most brilliant. Wow. <laughs> and a week and a half into the tour, we busted the fill the fuel pump because we weren't filtering it quite oh, enough and so yeah. we were stuck in utah for uh more days than you need to be stuck <laughs> in utah for um yeah but so yeah that was the project that i toured the most extensively with gotcha. where it was just like six weeks here three weeks there four and so 
just like lots of running around DIY. Yeah. yeah. More house shows than not. Cool. That's so cool. It did you? Yeah. Did you love that experience? Or totally. Yeah. I mean, we are just yeah maniacs and yeah. Yeah, it, it, and for sure <laughs> like lots of formative relationships that I like super hold dear, mm-hmm. um, but taught me a ton, and definitely. Uh, in some way got me stuck in yeah yeah are there some people that you met along the way that you kind of know run their own venue somewhere else like in another parallel in another city uh justy is probably the closest example um and they're running a diy space in uh brooklyn called uh chaos computer and so it's very funny that they we both have cc's Um, But I'm uh, flyers. They've been writing secret location because they've had some issues with um, fire and police folks. Yeah. So, but it's uh, very neat. I haven't been out to visit (coughs) quite yet, but, um, but I hope to this summer. Mm -hmm. What's your perspective on like, do you have any advice as far as like the correct way to run a DIY venue? Whoa. Big question. Um, The correct way. Or maybe just like some some small stuff. I think being tra- like uh, we talked about this a little bit before, but the importance of financial transparency. I think yeah, that's I did like, want to touch on yeah, that like, too. Yeah, like that's the zone that for sure. Like regardless of if it's uh, art f- in a visual sense or performing art sense, um, I w- this is another project that I was involved in in that time when I was first getting started at Cactus is. Um, we had a gallery, my old roommate, Sean Heiser, who's a painter and I, uh, called Jackpot Gallery right across the street from what was Fuel and that was the Daily Bird. Sure, yeah. And so we ran that as, uh, an art space on the, in the storefront and then a basement venue in the basement that was mm. called, uh, the Eagle's Nest. And so... Is it the one right on that corner? Uh, it's not on the corner where okay. Truly Spoken is. It's right across the street from Daily Bird. Okay. So it has like the big windows. It's really beautiful, like uh, molding. Is um, it a, do you know if it's like a clothing shop right now? I think so. It was a clothing okay. shop before we got into it. Okay. Um, and I think it, right now it's kind of like an amorphous gallery space. Gotcha. Um, it's the same owners as Uptowner own that building. Okay. But, um, but at the time it was super ragtag again. Like we were just, doing it to do it and um i think there's something so special and important about just like embracing and hosting and kind of figuring out the rhythm of that but as far as like advice just be upfront about the terms and like understand that like if you're doing bucket donations cool do the bucket donations and then count it out with the folks and divvy it up but have everybody understand what mm-hmm. the means are on the front end and at that time, I like so rejected any ideas of money and involved in conversations with art and was just like, no, that's for posers. That's not it. Like punks don't do that. And the same, I have the same opinion about like performance rights organizations to the extent that I wasn't even interested in learning about them because I was like, that's for fucking losers. Like mm. so sm- like small minded, so stupid. Um, performance rights, meaning? Meaning like ASCAP or BMI. Sure. Oh, yeah. And like not that I'm in a like space or position right now where i'm like oh i can't wait to sign up to be represented by that's not it but Uh at the same time like information is intrinsically empowering um so yeah just like decide how you want to do it and then just like do it lean in 100 percent, and make sure that everyone that's participating understands and like um 
figure out what you you want the rhythm to be it's really easy for people to get involved and then just say yes to everything and all of a sudden be right. super overextended and burn out like <clears throat> i've seen that so many times right. so i think that would maybe be my second piece of advice is just like start small and just like lean in as you go but like right. let it grow um just being very transparent a, as yeah far at as a calculated pace yeah, or not even just on the income zone so income zone being one element but uh like if you have a space everyone's all of a sudden like oh i want to play i want to play i want to play and like do you want to be hosting five nights a week what do you want your like relationships right. to be and your responsibilities to be tethered to it mm-hmm. i think kind of going um just figuring it out along the way i feel like most people have kind of done that and then yeah that's really cool running your own thing so and collaboratively though and i think that's part of the excitement too is like oh what are you into what are you into where do these intersect like yep um and then seeing how other people run it and then kind of taking that and seeing how other people run it totally um one thing for like from an artist perspective what do you think um as far as like um being transparent and getting transparency from a venue like what is the a way to go about that um because it seems like it is it should be on the responsibility of the artist to be um to have this knowledge and information and yeah but no because no one like yes you should know but who's telling you exactly, no one wants right, to tell you exactly. and, like the people that make the decisions yeah. and have the power have no um incentive if you will to educate or inform or share right. Um, because so often they're in the position that they're taking advantage of folks. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do think most importantly is like ask the who, what, when, where, why, and ask yourself that, like, is this show, am I playing the show because I'm excited about the people that are involved and it feels like, um, something I'm interested in enveloping myself in. Is this an opportunity to make fast money in a way that feels fine and enough? Um, but you're always entitled to know if you're participating in a, uh, an event that's being produced, you're entitled to know the mechanics of it. And if somebody says, like, this is how much you're getting, end of story, that's as much information as you have to work with and mm. decide from there. I don't know if that really adequately answers your question. Yeah, because like, that, that, you saying that was really empowering because, like, met a few times, even specifically before we had that conversation at Cactus Club, like, you should know what you're getting paid up front. Because it has to it's, do with consent culture. It's, and that, for me, it took so long to, like, land on, like, it's not about money. It's not about greed. It's not about any of that. It's about consent. And, like, when you think of it in that way, it's, like, so transformative of, like, wait, why and how do I want to be participating in this? Mm, and I see. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to cut you off. Oh, no, that, no, no, no. But yeah. I, I, think it's, um, I think it's really exciting, like, what it opens up. Because uh, I think t- so often we just run through the motions. We're like, oh, it's a show, it's a show. If we got asked, we should play, right? right. Why not? Sure. Right. What, what else are we going to do? Um, which I think is a fine, good attitude. I'm not knocking that. Um, but I, I do think it warrants, like, what motivates us to do what we're doing and why mm-hmm. yeah kind of i think for a lot of people's cases as far as just starting a band in my experience and just all my friends starting bands and kind of being in the early stages of that like you said you aren't 
really told or educated on how it all works so you're kind of left to yourself to figure it out and then talking to each other the other bands and um i don't know where i was going with that but basically the um were you gonna say something i mean i'm just nodding in agreement with you where it's like totally and when i started booking shows um it was kind of when I started booking shows at Cactus, let me clarify. When I was booking before, it was just like, okay, this is the amount of money we have. We all chop it up. Okay, <laughs> great, cool, great. Uh-huh. And then um, in like a professional capacity at Cactus, Alex, a sound engineer, had booked shows for decades before. And he's like, okay, this is gross box office receipts, Gbor. And I remember writing Gbor down and being like, what the fuck is Gbor? Gross <laughs> box office? What does that even mean? <laughs> and it's not like I didn't understand math or... Um, how things can work but just never like kind of applied those that way of thinking to this what is gboard um gross box office receipts so it literally means like yeah how much money is made like the ticket price times the number of attendees and that's the the amount of money that um is grossed and then from there you're subtracting the expenses of um sound engineering door person at some venues you have stage hands and yep. like for, in those c- cases i'm like all right they better be carrying your gear because you're paying <laughs> for it um or <laughs> hospitality where it's like if there's 300 dollars in hospitality what did you get for 300 dollars? because that's part of the contract that you're agreeing to or your agents agreeing to or uh-huh. whatever um and in a lot of times people just kind of gloss through that and are like okay whatever it was a great show but at the same time, it's like, well, where's the receipt? If you only got pizza, that's not $300. Like, Or if you only got a case of paps, that's not right. where's $100. Where's the remainder of that going? Totally. And then it was interesting, too, even learning how some people distinguish marketing from advertising. I thought, oh, marketing mm. was advertising. But like the kid typing in the Facebook event and creating that, that could also be considered marketing. Or um, the person making the social media post is like part of marketing. Which I'm not belittling that. Like, it does take skills and it does uh-huh. take time. Um, then what's advertising? Advertising is like uh, you paid for a flyer. Okay. Or like that's like a, or you paid for a design for the flyer. Mm. Or you paid for the Facebook uh, or Instagram ad of the flyer. So like those kinds of elements okay. to it. Yeah, exactly. So like, yeah, it's like so fucking boring. It's <laughs> yeah. so stupid and so. And my boring. degree was in marketing. Wait, am so. I allowed to swear? I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can okay, swear. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a foul <laughs> mouth over here. But but yeah, like, what does any of this mean? Um, except for in the in like as it scales, it obviously is that much more consequential. If you're talking about a hundred or two hundred cap room, and it's like, oh, right, there's fifty dollars here. There's fifty dollars. Whatever the way all this works is you just keep adding zeros as you scale. And then that's where it's like, Mm. wait a minute, why is this person getting this much? Or why is the club getting this much? And obviously I believe in paying sound engineers. I believe in paying people that are participating, but at the same time, it's easy to incorporate and build in these elements where it's like, did you really get that though? Is like, is that what that's worth? Or is this why I'm playing here to get this is why it's worth? Uh huh. So Uh having like, um, I don't even know in like that sense do most venues have like a an accountant or like a financial person oh, or is it just you sure. no 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 so, okay. so i'm not like most venues though that's the thing like i'm not necessarily like the good point of reference for it um 
but yes, like most venues have uh, in-house accountants. I've learned a lot through our relationship with Sleeping Village, which is the venue in Chicago that sometimes mm. does SV Presents at Cactus. And so that came to be during like deep pandemic. Uh, this organization formed the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, um, who were the mm. biggest advocates for the Save Our Stages campaign. And so they were. this was this... Um, association comprised of all independently owned venues and they passed the largest arts grant or arts bill in american history which was the shuttered venue operators grant Mm. and so this organization formed and during this time all these people are connecting that never had a reason necessarily to talk to each other and through that all of these really powerful conversations are coming to light about better practices and how do you do because most people that are in the industry that are independent owners kind of just like went through the motions of their own experience and are doing it to the best that they know how, but there's never this like sort of skill sharing or exchange and like, especially across different parts of the country where it's like, Oh, I hosted that band. I hosted that band. Oh, what was your experience or how did, you know, it was like very neat. Um, and I didn't have any of these relationships really. Like I knew artists. I didn't know people. I didn't know booking agents. I didn't know other venue owners. Mm But Kyle Lavalley, who was um, doing all of the programming at Sleeping Village, she was deeply involved in Neva because she's an organizer by nature. And was like, okay, let's do, let's pull something of value out of this. And so she organized a webinar, panel discussion, or something on like left field merchandise. And at the time, Cactus was doing all sorts of Looney Tune merch ideas just to try and stay afloat sure, and so okay. like the back of the live room of cactus was like a santa's elf like workshop of like screen printing and like assembling all these pack like just like uh-huh. cuckoo but so she had like seen us hustling online and was like do you want to be a part of this and i was like oh wow cool yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure i mean I don't, we just are kind of and the uh, the webinar happens and um one of the people from 9 30 club because we were talking about how we converted the apartment above the club and put it on Airbnb. And originally it was supposed to be mm. for artists, but we put the bunk beds in the week before the pandemic. And so oh, it's whoa. like no one had even used it at that point. Like it's so, so. Was that still the green room before that was It was, was only the green room since 2016. So we mm. had a band Black Mountain, um, who was like a really important band to me at that time, um, slated to play the club. And they were like, green room this and like a rider and at that time i didn't even know what a fucking rider i was like what rider what yeah um and i was like we need a green room for them they said they need a green room yeah. like we gotta figure this out <laughs> and the upstairs had just been like more or less abandoned with the havoc of like broken chairs and miscellaneous stuff Whoa. it was just like stuff on stuff and there was a carpeted bathroom without a working toilet and a carpeted kitchen and just like uh-huh real um real time uh time piece must have uh, had a yeah, lot of potential though yeah i mean it's yeah like totally most awesome. of the stuff that's there is like, yeah it was uh just kind of polished up from what it was we pulled mm-hmm. up a lot of the carpeting um but there wasn't like any major makeover because there wasn't a budget for it but so yeah so we had put um a few months into the pandemic put uh the apartment on airbnb because we're like what are we doing mm-hmm. and so this person from 930 club was like so what's your insurance policy for Airbnb if you're not actually using Airbnb? Because we were running it through Big Cartel instead of Airbnb proper. Because I was like, Airbnb takes like 50 bucks. Mm. Fuck that. 
we'll do it ourselves. Right. And so this woman poses this question and like all these people are watching. And I was like, yeah, I never really thought about oh. it like that. <laughs> like, like just like those kinds of just like holes and thinking where it's not this business background, just again, making it up as we go. But afterwards yeah. I was kind of like, damn, I guess, yeah, I should really think about that. Maybe, right. maybe we should just put it on Airbnb because they have like this robust <laughs> insurance thing. I right, guess. right. Um, but so Kyle, a uh, long deviated tangential story, Kyle, uh, a few months later came up to Milwaukee and was like, do you want to hang out? And I thought we'd kick it for a couple hours and we talked for hours and hours and I was like, holy shit, you know so much. And you like almost speak a different language about mm. how this functions and we're coming at it with such shared senses of responsibility and investment in like creating an artist centered experience but still on like very different um, frameworks for how we like cultivate that. Mm. And so I've learned so much from her through that process in like a huge, really exciting, really empowering way. Um, she's now not at Sleeping Village. Uh, she's part of the Remova, I'm a butcher how to pronounce this, Remova Theater or something. But uh, it's a historic theater um, in Chicago that they're doing this massive renovation to. It's going to be, I think, uh, 1,700 cap. Whoa. And then there's going to be a 200 cap room. But um, she's going to be the director of programming for that. But, yeah, so relationships like that have really sort of, like, illuminated all these other pieces of, like, oh, this is how production works. And these, this is how we right. define what the, this means. Because um, in a way, I was always, like, Okay, sound engineer gets paid, door person gets paid, la di da, right. go on. And for some shows that makes sense, but for other shows, we're like, no, we are hiring someone to design a poster. That person deserves to get paid. Like, oh, mm -hmm. th there is this person um, who's going to go put posters up. And if it's not the artist themselves, like, I guess, yeah, w what's appropriate compensation for this person that's running around town? And like, mm -hmm. rethinking it, because for so many of us, we straddle our identities between this, like, personal and like artistic creative practice and then like this professional like what does this world look like or mean and we do want like to pay living wages and fair wage so like where where does that exist and I think for the scale of cactus it's a really a needle that moves with every show and event depending on who's mm. organizing you know yeah cactus is really quite that like middle ground it can be whatever you need it to be kind of space a blessing and a curse yeah totally yeah. Where it's really amorphous in that way yeah for sure I've always loved cactus too because it's like if there's 20 people in the crowd it feels full and cozy still even compared well and then obviously the, <laughs> the alternative uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so neva definitely that's nationwide yeah totally wow yeah so it's really cool kind of a blessing in disguise as far as covid silver lining for sure unequivocally that. silver lining and like now we pay dues i think cactus pays like 50 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month and there's these regional chapters that exist and there's a national conference. Um, last year it was in Cleveland. I'd never been to Cleveland before. Mm. And each part of the day, they kind of took place in different venues or each day was at different oh, cool. venues. So it was really neat to see the behind the scenes of these different spots. And then there was after parties every night at other venues. Sure. And so we were able to really get like a grasp of like, oh, that's like this flavor and oh, that's this yeah. flavor and like what this looks like. And this year it's in D.C., 
Okay. So it's it's cool. I like yeah. felt like, uh, like oh, what venue do you run? Where are you? I run, from? Yeah, yeah, I'm just like, what are you about? What do you like? To? And right. then you could tell like who worked for t- ticketing companies because they're total douchebags and they're like ah, just trying to kind yeah. of pawn. Because that's the biggest racket in the whole market, as far as I'm concerned. I could go off and tee off about Live Nation and Ticketmaster, but everyone already knows that. But even at a smaller scale, it's like what ticketing fees are justifiable and you make these contracts with agencies this is super unpopular for lots of venue people and in an interesting way but uh you make these contracts with agencies of like this is based on the gross box office receipts our favorite g bar right mm-hmm. we're back to it but if there's all these uh side ticketing fees that aren't being accounted for in your contract because the contract doesn't have any of the ticketing fees and you're not even necessarily consenting to the ticketing fees. What is that? Like, that? like, why is that not being addressed? And especially, again, at this tier where it's a $20 ticket, if there's $7 in fees, like, what? Where, like, where are those fees yeah, going? Like, yeah, the, the fuck is that? Right. It, and depending on how big the venue is, like, okay, you can have a facility fee at uh, Pfizer Forum, sure. And I understand, like, people have different perspectives and arguments about scaling it. But fundamentally, I think it should be part of the contract on the front end. Because if you're playing, again, Cactus, and we agree to a $12 ticket, and after all the fees, it's $25. Right. But that's not what we agreed to. That's not what you're asking your fans to pay for. Right. And so that, that was an interesting conversation with some of the booking agents at the conference last year, where they were, like, really, like, uh, going off about how much they dislike different ticketing companies and did that really become a thing once the internet came around because you couldn't buy tickets beforehand for sure and this is like again before my time but alex um shout out alex Uh, yeah yeah, sound at cactus alex is always great um but he's obsessed with like the psychology behind people that buy advanced tickets versus not buy advanced tickets that people that buy advanced tickets don't stand as close to people that are walks uh, like there's just like this whole different sort of like um ooh. lifestyle element and he's always like for big shows he's like let's not do any advanced tickets let's make everybody line up and let's Whoa. have that be the cutoff and like how much do you really care and it's like funny how like um pieces of that are kind of seen in even like record store day where there is something really i don't know if it's yeah special i'd say special about sort of the camaraderie of that like brick and mortar sort of like uh experience but at the same time, too, advanced tickets have made so many other pieces um, more helpful as far as even like promoting and understanding mm-hmm. sort of like the promotion process and like how hard are we pushing mm-hmm. or do we right. need to or whatever, right. whatever. But that can be done without fees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. all, all day for sure. Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like were there facility fees in 1995? I have no idea. Right. I mean, so like, where are the facility fees really going? Do you? I mean, there's different, there's like different venues have different ways of chopping it up. Um, So if, say like a bigger, like a venue that does that um, and everyone buys at the door, is the, is that larger company not getting anything from those fees or is it? It's crazy. It's such a crazy world um, where before I bought Cactus, I went to Detroit and went to Elk Club um, in Detroit, which is a really neat space, and was kind of like looking around, and the guy kind of was like, what are, you, what are you looking so closely at? And I was like, oh, I work at this place, Cactus Club, and I'm just like looking at how venues are laid out, and it's <laughs> really neat what you guys do. And he was like, 
like who do you use for tickets and I was like well it's kind of complicated that's a different story for a different day but he was like oh you should for sure sign up with Eventbrite Eventbrite they gave us uh I'm like putting them on blast now um like a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus and I was like what the fuck is a hundred thousand signing what is what does that mean like before you open you got a hundred thousand and he was like yeah based on you get you can like negotiate with different ticketing companies um, before you open a venue and they'll give you different front end signing bonuses um, as a means of sort of like courting you and to me I'm like that's like loan sharks that's crazy because like yeah (laughs) we can get that and if you don't have access to capital which is the barrier of entry to so many things in this world um, you take what you can get but at the same time, then you're accepting it on the terms of the ticketing company right. who might be like, all right, for every show, we plug $2 in ticketing fees and that's our cut and you can add whatever additional stuff you want on top of that because we have to repay ourselves for this functioning loan we gave you, even though it's because it's an advance. Mm, um, like they're acting as the bank. Fun- yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it's crazy how many other different companies are starting to do that. And again, it's obviously very predatory, but like, toast the point of sale system that so many restaurants use they've started doing like these like interest free for six month loan whatever whatever just trying to get more people to sign up with them to sign yeah to sign up or just another way of generating money akin to a bank Mm. where it's like oh we have this liquid capital we know you want it the bank's not going to loan you any more money therefore Mm. so yeah, lots is of back end, like murky, ugly, not artistic, do not. Do banks usually just not support venues that well? Um, I don't know I, what that no, looks like. No, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, if you look at how, it's a horrible climate to be an independently owned venue. That's, that much is for sure because, like, most of the concentration of money as you scale, I mean, it's the same formula. Like, Buddy's making a Facebook event. We're making a Facebook event. Buddy's making mm-hmm. uh, Instagram posts. We're making an Instagram post. I mean, a lot of the front end stuff is the exact same formula, but then again, you just add zeros. It's a 10,000 cap room versus a 100 cap room. Um, and obviously, the day of production requires quite a bit more, but as far as like the promoting and front end um, component of what we're talking about, uh, so your question was, do banks, uh, it's, it's not, it's quite so simple. I guess it, it's more, yeah, but, depends yeah. on like what the collab, yeah, what the experience and background yeah. and partners yeah. and whatever, whatever. But there's not a lot of people that are enthusiastically opening new About venues. About an independent venue. Yeah. Is that just for security reasons? Like they think like they just as far as like i can't speak so intelligently about it. i just uh, think there's like not a lot of money in music and so there's not a lot right. of incentive unless you're kind of a specific flavor a mm-hmm. person that feels some type of way about it you know right i mean the same thing with like making art in like a um more first priority or first year sentence it's like Something we're doing this because we have to because we believe in it it's not like right. every, all else is like hands off right um one thing uh my brand <laughs> like so many different ways we could go but um how does like can you explain scalping no not well because okay. uh, to be honest <laughs> it doesn't really happen at the cactus level we right. we had a show with i hate god where some kid told us they paid like a hundred dollars for a ticket that was supposed oh, to be like 15 geez. and we were like what how uh-huh. um so 
that's like a whole there's somebody that's way better at this okay. conversation than i am um but i will say if you are looking at buying tickets from somebody online you should ask you should double check with the venue before you pay for it that the person's actually on the will call list mm-hmm. it's really crazy how many mm. Facebook, Instagram, whatever, people will comment like, got two tickets for That's tonight. L- and then I look at literally. the I, I look at the event and I was like, No tickets have sold for tonight, so you for sure don't. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that ain't it. Bots are fake people. Totally. Um recently promoted the Diet Light show we mm-hmm. had at the back room and on Facebook, like there was eight random people, like four tickets, two tickets here trying to sell. Just like very like they look believable if you're not really paying attention totally and for somebody that's like last minute like oh shit yeah i mean i guess i might as well try right but yeah it's just really icky and predatory yeah interesting um do you want to talk more about um like the new frank productions uh venue coming in yeah let's talk about yeah, it let's because yeah, yeah. i I have, I have a lot of questions i feel like um, yeah that's good i i have uh, maybe some bullshit answers but yeah I, to me yeah. i'm like let's riff it out and yeah. i'll be as so, forthright as i know how yeah and i haven't been keeping like a whole lot of attention i mean i saw the the video you made about it when i was all going through so it did go through so it did go through the status right now as i understand it is they have not broken ground yet uh-huh. Um, I drive past that every day and it looks like they're, they fenced it up. And right. It, um, I, I know there was, uh, a, a recent article in Wisconsin daily star, which is a really sus outlet that's like owned or run by never some, heard of it before. Exactly. Yeah. Some like Breitbart contributor, but there was an article that actually was decent about specifically, um, the development, <clears throat> which Joel plant like did not comment on or feedback provide feedback for uh but it basically like by like do they have the funding the financing why haven't they broken ground yet it was pretty speculative Hmm. but for me like whether or not it goes through it's going through money will pay buy people off left and right and that's the reality of live i mean live nation's a bulldozer and unless there's like comprehensive Hmm. policy at like a federal level i mean not unless we could do things at the local level that's not true i'm not trying to uh dismiss that Mm. but um but then i'd like demand of our elected officials let's do it smarter let's do it on our terms why are we expediting safety plans and traffic studies and all these things to accommodate for me i think they're most hot to get this in because the rnc is next summer Mm. and so money is going to fall from the sky for this colossal shit show of an event next summer next summer yeah wait yeah summer 2024 okay yep summer 2024 we're hosting the republican national milwaukee is we're not we're not hosting that (laughs) um to be clear but uh so i think that's a lot of the urgency of this specific site and the specific project um but for me, I'm like, there was a 2016 development plan that folks worked on for a long time and put together thoughtfully that identified this area should not be just a nightlife economy, that that intrinsically is dangerous and stupid and like poor city planning. And there's a countless examples of why that's not a great idea. But having mixed use space could be a better use of this. In mm. addition, like Milwaukee's broke. Everyone knows that there's a lot of really deep awful financial situations that the city is in 
And why not use the vertical space of this prime real estate and have that be taxable income? Where it's like, make that a 16th floor venue where the top 10 floors are all a hotel or office space or mm. a recording studio or whatever practice space practice spaces yeah <laughs> <Real> hello <cheap. laughs> yeah exactly let's get like these pod- like you all love artists we all love yeah, the creatives right, like right. yeah let's get this practice space going um but there's yeah countless examples of how it could be more intelligently framed um and representative of broader base interests and like i get a lot of folks were like that's not the responsibility of the city like money buys you can't but i'm like no there is city planning for a reason that's like Mm -hmm. a whole thing um so the people who i guess develop um drew this up are they really milwaukee people that really care for milwaukee (laughs) like who are these people doing this that's a great question i bet there's a better person person. mock-ups and uh like as far as the actual architectural renderings yeah architectural renderings are a milwaukee-based architecture firm epstein ewan who i like is one of the biggest architecture firms in the city i have nothing to say here or there about them but as far as who is going to be the beneficiaries of the project i mean frank productions majority owner is live nation live nation is not local it's as multinational as it gets they're the top player um and that's part of sort of the fallacy of this whole frank productions it's like mom and pop shop and it's like no it's been sold a few times over and consolidated and the people Uh, that are running it aren't even like arts and culture people per se what what is frank productions (laughs) association with live nation are they they're subsidiary they're own the majority ownership okay. is live nation gotcha. live nation is the majority owner of frank production live nation where are they based out of uh, <laughs> do they just LA, own i think la is like there's one headquarters but yeah okay. they're, they're multinational and they own just a few different venue groups no not like, a few like like a lot hundred thousands i can't uh i couldn't give you the exact number i can come back with it uh-huh. um yeah we'll do a follow-up so yeah, this, is, this, this is a chart <laughs> of like how this goes uh but no they're by and large um the large so they own Ticketmaster, and they, as live nation they function as a concert promotions group and so they also own a number of venues and so that's that's the problem with the monopoly of it is like you have all you're controlling all of the different inputs of this industry as far as ticketing the actual organizing and then the hosting Hmm. um and that's where things are like really out of hand and out of pocket like yeah it which is at odds with artist interests and music enthusiast interests or attendee or patron interests Um, so if they were to approach like an independent venue i don't know what the correct term is but um an independent player in this um do they like what is um like why would it be a good decision to go with live nation or to sign with is it money yeah yeah totally where it's just like oh we, we will give you x amount of dollars right in this moment you've been a struggling venue having a hard time like making ends meet and making it make sense here we we come with great resources (laughs) we'll also take the majority of um profits and whatever and extract that from these community and we'll uh establish really sterile ways of functioning and operating that aren't artist centered and Mm. god forbid we do anything interesting but uh 
but so that's part of it it's like the relief of being i mean it's so sad that high noon saloon was run by this woman who i've only heard Mm. amazing things about for decades a couple decades whatever it is and she sold to frank productions thinking that this is like okay it's like a small local whatever and then frank productions got bought up by fpc live so i guess technically fpc live is the one that's live nation majority but it's all entangled it's all a web of bullshit Mm -hmm. um and i can't imagine like running a venue that like invested that much in your time and space and all of a sudden they're rewriting all these like practices and books or not books but like practices and policies that you held really dear and thought were really important to distinguish and define the idea of what you're doing mm-hmm. and they're like okay this is more cost effective this is more cost efficient this is what we care about this is what so that's mm. a lot of the gripe i think how should the artists feel about like i mean i wish lizzo wasn't doing a live nation <laughs> tour that part i'm like you have enough is it promoted power. as a live nation tour it's not even promoted it is and they only play live oh. nation venues and that's part of the problem too is like so oh. once you have that control you can skip over entire cities and be like fuck it nope it's live nation live so nation do you think bus. they came to lizzo and were like hey we oh, see you, you bet been. your ass they came to lizzo <laughs> and they were like we can promise you this oh, amount and therefore and like i'm speaking like i know everything i don't want to pretend like i know everything no more I than don't, i do i yeah. don't know but at the same time i'm like the, who's winning who's losing here there's it's definitely at the consumer the music enthusiast is losing the artist is for sure like it i'm not gonna tell somebody where to get their like if you're gonna get offered a two thousand dollar gig to play fucking live nation fest i'm not gonna be like dan parker what's up with you like fuck you for doing that (laughs) like i'm i get I get the complicated and different people like we all arrive at subculture for such different reasons or all arrive at music. Maybe music's not even intrinsically subcultural anymore. I mean, maybe it never was. That's, but you know what I'm trying to say as far as like independent music is concerned, we're all in it for very different reasons. Mm. Um, But I do think it's important that artists question and consider where they put their time, where they put their energy, where they like who they care about supporting because there is an ecosystem to it. Mm -hmm. And is it like, and it's reflected, I think, in the culture of these spaces. And, like, you can feel it when if somebody doesn't want to be there, you know if they don't want to be there, like, regardless mm-hmm. of it's a Live Nation venue or the venue down the street. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think for me, so much of what I'm interested in is about community building. It's about mm-hmm. um, being a springboard for experimenting with ideas and pushing one's creative practice and, like, learning from one another through that. And so venue like those type of corporate uh settings for countless reason reasons aren't uh, my cup of tea yeah yeah which for i guess it's artistic reasons of doing things outside of the the playbook right like a more independent venue is definitely going to cater to that side well compared to like we just played majestic theater mm-hmm. on saturday friday friday, friday. I got you. and um everyone there was so nice and they were very transparent with payments and everything mm-hmm. at the end and didn't have one bad thing to say about the entire night and that rules. I, was, I was like yeah it was it was fucking cool and then yeah. i was like oh i'm talking to kelsey I wonder how, like, I'm supposed to feel as an artist as far as, like, playing these venues because I don't know if the, you know, it doesn't 
seem like it's the the greatest thing for Milwaukee. I think total. Maybe I'm just uneducated on the whole scope. No, I don't. I don't think it's. I mean, I'm not one to make. uh, Maybe I am. Um, like over essentializing <laughs> statements about it. I think you can also do it on a case by case basis. I think if pe- like I care about workers, I care about workers being treated right. Uh, if everyone that like that's a part of the puzzle is consenting to it, like, mm. OK, that's that's an important element of the equation. Um, am I liking my answer? Am I going to reflect back on this? And be like, <laughs> what were you talking about? Um, but I think fundamentally for me, I'm more interested in supporting. But also there's so many cities. I'm like interrupting myself. Uh, there's so <laughs> many going. cities that don't also the independents have been chased out or like uh, squashed out. And so mm. that's another like consideration and concern of like, what are your options? And especially as you scale up, like so much of that is owned by the same people. Um, and so I think too, on, in those settings, like, again, doing things on your terms and uh, being thorough and detail oriented about like, what is this? What is that? Like, this is how much my support should be paid and this is how they should be treated. That's a whole other like element of the equation, um, Mm. in terms of, yeah, touring. Yeah. The whole thing. So if this new venue space comes in, I guess that is dangerous or like bad for cactus club it seems i think i'm like uh it's no i yes yes and no i mean i feel like i'm using this the broadest terms it's bad because (laughs) no so i i have no worry about cactus club's future in existence i mean like we do things in a way that no rational person or organization would ever do them because that's how much we're like invested and care about like the experience in ways that can't be measured by dollars and cents there's value in uh in so many pieces of what we're doing that we derive that have nothing to do with like the bottom end in our our checkbook or whatever right so and in terms of scale it's different Uh, this venue i think I used to have this all in the back of my hand, but like, I think it's 800 cap and 4,000 cap. And so who's at state mm-hmm. or like being threatened here is for sure Turner Hall, which is mm-hmm. across the street. Like yep. that's, that's an important <coughs> piece of it. And then like the rave who has rooms that directly compete with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of people have strong opinions about the rave, but at the end of the day, it's again, independently owned in the building's history is crazy and the building's crazy and like for me all day every day i'd rather have the rave um be the go-to spot relative to a sterile blank room that uh, has the best acoustics known to man that everyone loves to tout like new venues are frictionless and they're perfect and it's just like are they history in them yeah are they because to me i'm like histories matter people matter stories matter yeah the number of folks who have sort of challenged me because I want to do this accessibility initiative at Cactus where we get a ramp to the front door and we mm. redo the bathrooms and expand the back room. Totally. Who are like, get another space or it'd be easier to just level it and start new. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not uh, how this yeah. works. Like I had like, uh, I had this building inspector be like, uh, we talked for like an hour and I was very animated and had all the things. And at the end he was like, all right, I got a plan. Get a can of paint, paint it. And I was like, huh? what are you talking about? 
He's like, no, when's the last time you saw a building this age renovated with accessibility as a pri- It doesn't happen. It's too expensive. Mm. And I was just like, oh, now, <laughs> you, now you got me going. Now let me show you how this is going to go. Yeah. Like light that fire. Like tell me no, because we'll find all the ways. Right. And like, because no one else has done it, that's never been a motivation for me. I don't care. Like, yeah, all, so many of these codes and laws that we subscribe to were written by people that are dumber than us. So it's like, okay, let's update them. Let's like yep. reflect on what the cultural needs are, um, and make them our own. Because if not now, then when? You know, right. right. Um, but that was a real tangent there. So no, I'm not worried about cactus. As yeah, far as I was, it's yeah. more, uh, it's more on principle about what it like represents and symbolizes. And then the other thing too, the reality is like, if you look even in Nashville, um, it does scale in both directions. Is there a lot of incentive to running a hundred or 200 cap room for live nation? Not necessarily, but at the same time you can get artists and scale up with them. And that's part of what people have started to sort of, recognize as having value in small rooms not because they're income generators but because uh booking agencies understand that like oh there's another room a next size room bigger but you've already established these relationships does that make sense Mm. what i just said or not really so like if say an artist has been doing shows with live nation and they're ready to upgrade to like another size they're not going to book at a different venue it's but they're already, gonna stay yeah it's already the same that. person or the same group that you're just kind of up oh, yep we went from we were the working with you before to the so, 500 to the yeah okay. thousand interesting so from like an outsider's perspective if you're just an entertainment goer in milwaukee do you think it will attract like different kind of acts that already aren't here or is lots it just kind of like lots of people <laughs> have lots of opinions about it um and i think that the there was uh somebody really championing like there's not enough black and brown centered spaces that host music and i'm like you're absolutely mm. right no doubt about it look at who's running this venue they're all a bunch of old white dudes like mm. why do you think they have your best interest at heart do I think there should be a black and brown run venue that's more central city? You bet your ass. I'd be in, like organizing for it. Like I absolutely think that's imperative. And I think there's a like both things can be true. This project can suck and that need can be real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one thing that like was really troubling to me as it was like being uh, some folks were putting forth like this is why we need this. And I'm like, why are you trusting these people with that? Right, like. Right does their programming at their other spaces really reflect a deep interest and commitment outside of maybe virtual signaling? Mm. I don't know. You be the judge of that. Yeah. <laughs> Just putting that one out there. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, so Cactus Club is going to be okay. Cactus is, yeah, we good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what uh, we're where to go next? Do you want yeah. to talk about the nonprofit? Yeah, let's talk about the nonprofit. Okay. Yep. Um, so nonprofit was so when I first bought Cactus, February 2020, um, a few things I was like, this is what we need to do was uh I wanna they keep I don't even know what the uh spot of total sensitivity to me was anytime somebody showed up in a mobility device, like a wheelchair, um, we were either getting our dinky door people to help lift them up the stairs, which is super dehumanizing, brought undue attention, nobody's comfortable, doesn't feel good, 
or going up our rickety pothole pockmarked um, driveway to get to a ramp that wasn't that isn't code compliant that then runs into the sound the soundboard that it, depending on the size of the device mm-hmm. may not be able to make that turn and it's so fucking ugly and it's like yeah. how can we be out here like championing like we want to be a space that feels good and welcoming and comfortable and safer and da 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 but if you're if you want to pee and you uh, have any real um, ex- mobility concerns sorry you're out of luck like that's so ugly and yeah the building codes have changed drastically in the decades um and yes cactus club is irrationally three feet off the ground as if we were (laughs) in like new orleans or something it makes no sense but um but this is something that's been really important to me and the team and so as we explored like what's possible what does that look like we got our first bid for a ramp to the front door and it was like $40,000 for concrete and another $10,000 for railings. And I started Jesus. laughing because I thought it was a joke. I thought like this guy was just like punking me. And I was like, yeah, for sure. $50,000 for a ramp. Like, oh. And it was quite awkward quite quickly when he was like, yeah, no, this is <laughs> this is the number. Um, and since then, other folks have come forward and it's like, oh, it's 35K. And like, but even so, I was like, blah, 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 that's more, what, how? Yeah. Like, I just don't, like, it's, fi- and when I bought Cactus, I was like, $500 is a lot of money. And now I'm like, okay, yeah. everything costs $500. And I'm like, oh, the sink breaks, it's $500. You know, it's just like, my conception of that has shifted. But adding nev- the zeros. Yeah, adding, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but nevertheless, talking about doing like a pretty substantive building change because both of the bathrooms who've been there are dinky trash. Yeah. And so it would be eliminating those and putting an addition where the driveway is. And what I'm advocating for is one multi-stall, all-gender bathroom, which in there's international building code. I'm learning all this shit about stuff I never yeah. cared about, but yeah. all of a sudden it's like opening these doors and I'm like curious by nature. So I'm like, okay, what goes behind right, that door? Right. But so International Building Code in 2021 adopted that you could have multi-stall, all-gender bathrooms. Great. That makes mm-hmm. sense. They're pervasive around the world. It's not a big deal. But um, obviously, it's garnered a lot of national attention, um, the idea of all-gender bathrooms, gender-neutral bathrooms, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and the politici- politicization, I'm butchering that, of it is really gross and crazy. The state of Wisconsin still has 2015 International Building Code. So we're eight years behind the mark here. Um, Whoa. Right? Why, what are why, we waiting why? for? Because the state is so broken because the legislature is crazy and no one can vote on anything effectively. Whoa. It's so... But it, to, to think that that's that um, insidious and it like runs into like those elements like yeah we can talk about hot button issues but eight like, years ago yeah 20- but you're like come on let's at least get let's get to 2021 let's right, get this passed right but so so that's something that's super important to the equation too it's like accessibility but then there's also these other implications of like let's do this better if we're gonna do it let's do it right and so in the state of wisconsin legally right now you can do an all-gender bathroom if you have a male and female, and then you have, like, this third option. Mm. And lots of spaces have finally, like, embraced, like, okay, all-gender, but not the multi-stall component. That's still, like, really scary for some reason. And so that's that's something that we're working on in motion. Um, we were talking to some, a state senator about the project and the plan, 
And they were like, yeah, if you do floor to ceiling stalls, we might be able to consider this for multi-stall. And I was like, cool. That's what I mm. first thought too was the, the full, full door. But then in considering how we monitor the space, how the space functions, it's actually really dangerous. Like we need at least like a foot and a half under the stall door to monitor for overdoses, whether it's like drinking too much, intoxication or opioid overdoses. Like there's six stalls we're a small space, but like we can only do so much bathroom monitoring and in general, mm -hmm. like how much bathroom monitoring do other places do? Like, right. but like in this environment that is, uh, can be wild, can be intergenerational. Like there, it requires a degree of oversight, maybe in addition to like standard, um, club environment. Mm. Uh, and the person was like, Oh, I never would have thought of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. I don't know how this is going to work in the context of this all-gender bathroom, multi-stall thing. And I was like, for sure, we don't have to know yet, but it needs, like, we need to get something in motion and mm -hmm. we need to get the conversation started. And whether we get an exception at, like, the city or county level to the state rule, that seems to be maybe the path forward. Mm. But with that, too, it's like, OK, where are we going to get this money? Like back to like the ticketing right. people, back yeah. to the point of like, OK, right. what does that look like? And there's a few groups that uh, there's a few groups that do grants to for profit organizations, but very few. Live Music Society is one that's absolutely incredible yeah. um, that we just applied for a grant for lots of programming ideas. I, I can spell those out in a bit. But um but the reality is most in the United States grants are only for 501c3s because of tax-exempt status that everyone's glorified. And, like, it's so crazy to me because I'm like, there's executive directors of nonprofits making $150,000, but you won't give me a grant for a for-profit? And we're making, like, wh like what, is, what, what is this tax evasion that everyone's so preoccupied with? And I just went on a trip, and in... Hungary, there's these small venues that are comparably sized and they're getting money from the European Union and from all these like mm. private foundations, even though they're still for-profit enterprises, but there's not the same preoccupation with non-profit versus for-profit um, status. But regardless, I'm like, I can play the game. Let's play the game. Let's start mm. a non-profit. We can apply right, for the grants. Right. Let's go through the motions. If that's the, again, like the path forward, if that's what's the path of least resistance for this lane to get accessing the capital to do these other like bigger picture ideas. Mm -hmm. Fuck it. Let's go. Um, so that's how cactus plus kind of came into formation was, uh, last year being like, all right, if we're really going to do this, let's do, let's do it. Let's like yeah. form the group of folks that have a shared idea of what, um, our mission is as a space and what we want to see more of. And like, that includes like the youth internships that I'm like, how do we, yeah. How do we foster like mentorships? How do we like empower folks with information to make better decisions? And not even just from like a, how do we retain the creative economy? Like, cause there's all like so many like stupid businesses are obsessed with like uh, brain drain and creative retention. And like this, as if that's going to enhance the quality of their business or their life with, it's like so um, so calculated and personal in a way that seems silly to me. Like, why not like just like believe in learning for learning's sake or education and empowerment for liberation's uh -huh. sake? Like, um, but so that's kind of 
a long-winded tangent of what we're hoping to do is a lot more workshops and um, panel discussions and okay. like just getting people in the same room, even in terms of recording. Like, think how many folks we know that do self-recording. Think how many folks that we know oh, yeah. that have studios. Think how many of the folks that we know that have studios don't know each other. And like, or even like the mastering folks and like what resources we have mm -hmm. in the state for mastering. And I think so often we're in these show environments where there's 300 people in the room, but the, the show is the element and no one knows how to socialize post, mm -hmm. I mean, maybe even not just post pandemic, but like in general, it's difficult. As oh, yeah. the older you get, it's trickier to figure out like, how do we strike a conversation where I know that I think you're cool and you know that you think I'm cool and like we have these common interests, but like where do we begin? Right. Um, but There's so I think sometimes that's I've, I've talked to this before with some people as far as like concert goers and lovers um it's hard to talk to people it's during, really hard. during a show and there's a band playing yeah totally you know? and that's not the time to talk yeah, <laughs> exactly like, exactly you don't care what you did literally, last weekend like shut up literally yeah yep. so, no that's super super real and that's part of why i love the way that cactus is out, like divided where it's like you want to talk about your plans go to the yeah. other room yeah. But if somebody's playing like guitar just by themselves maybe i love it's not the, the, time. the back room aspect of, yeah like divide it out yep. Yep. Go where you need. Mm -hmm. um, so Cactus Plus. Cactus Plus. Okay. And so it's about a year old now? We started officially last fall. So not quite. About six months old. Wow. We've got Samir Ghani on the board. I was going to say, I yeah. talked to Samir yeah. about, um, yeah, briefly, um, really briefly. He's the best. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to have him in the mix. Yep. Um, Aishal White, who does Ashari uh, Artist Management. Uh, and Moo Sample, which is an artist platform. Um, she has a series called MKE Live Groove Edition. We're doing the first one um, since 2019, this Thursday. Uh, that would be real cute. But uh, she's a wealth of information in terms of like the performance rights organization. Mm. She was the first person that was like, what do you mean you've been in music for this many years and you don't know what I'm talking about? I was like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I mean, but like, like you might as well be speaking another language because I have no uh -huh. idea what you were talking about. And she was talking about these different income streams that you can yeah. have. And all, and like, what's this person's name? Aishel White. You should have her on the show. Aishel White? Yeah, we'll get you okay. connected. Yeah. She's just tremendous and super humble. And like, uh, on first impression, is like more quiet and perceptive and taking it all in. But then, like, once you start talking, you're like, how did you <laughs> learn all? How do you know? All? And, like, she studied music administration, which I was like, okay. I didn't even know that was a subject. Like, what? Um, but so, Samer, Aishel, Kelly Todd, who's one of my best friends, who uh, is a social worker by trade, does Cactus Book Club, um, works with me at uh, River West Public House, and so is deeply invested in the idea of, like, cooperative organizing uh -huh. um, and just different frameworks for operations um, and with lots of justice, social environmental justice infused into it. And then Scott Moriarty, I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, that name does sound familiar. He's uh, the owner of Music Ground, and he plays in bands, oh, sure, and okay. he's awesome and he's kind of like a funny big brother figure to me where we connected initially over all ages music and all ages organizing where i was like i hate the code in milwaukee it's so stupid it's so restrictive mm. it's and he was like i want to support more all ages music what do we do da, 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 da. and that's kind of part of how the ball got rolling with girls rock camp as advocating for that mm. change 
but so uh, he's also on the board and brings all sorts of enriching rad perspectives and has like business experience in like an official way where I'm still like, cool. here we go, making it up. Does that seem right. good? That right. seems good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, okay. sure. <laughs> um, and so it's been really a fun group of folks that are from such different worlds, but able to kind of like weave their ideas. And again, it's like mm. all about where our interests are intersecting. And that's, I think what's so special about cactus is so many different genres and different mediums, but like the shared sort of umbrella of what are our creative practices? How do we forge community? How do we continue to learn from one another? Mm-hmm. Like game on. Right. Right. Exciting. So as far as like the next steps for y'all, do you, well, what does it really look like? Do you meet like once a week kind of thing? Uh, once a month. No, once a once week. A month. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> once a, yeah. Once a month, once a week, uh, once a month even feels Ooh. sometimes like, whoa, yeah. what do we get done? Okay. Uh-huh. So we're still waiting on our letter of determination from the IRS. So we like filed the bylaws and the articles of incorporation and all these different pieces were assembled. Um, but it's kind of the whim of the IRS to determine mm. when and how that gets passed. Some people, it takes a few weeks. Some people, it takes several months. Um, but so that's the next like official piece, but in the interim, we have girls rock camp as our fiscal sponsor. So we're able to apply for these various grants right now Mm. for some of the various grants. Um, so that's been really exciting. It's like figuring out again, like I don't have grant writing experience, but we're like, well, we, this is what we (laughs) care about. Do you care about it too? And Uh like, um, we have no shortage of ideas of like what we're trying to get funded. Um, Part of what uh, is that series that I mentioned to you, Ground Level, that Ellie Engel yeah, and I are going to do Ellie. together, yeah. um, which I think we're going to wait till the fall on. We're hoping that we get this grant so it like helps pull it together a little yep. more instead of just super shoestring scrappy. Uh-huh. Um, but with that, like talking about artist assets and like what makes for solid artist assets and yeah, like exactly. what's a performance contract and how, how do you read that and how do you understand yeah. that and like. Um, I, th- I know a lot of people that would find a lot of value. Totally. In and it's like not that. even just like a young versus old thing. I mean, there's yeah, folks that have been yeah, doing yeah. it forever. That's just like, oh, I didn't ever think about it that way. Right. right. Um, and again, there's like people that are way, way more knowledgeable than me. But at the same time, I'm like, let's get them all. Let's get us all in the room. And like, what do you like? What do you need to know? What haven't you thought of before? Uh-huh. Um, performance rights organizations are another one. Um, grant writing is another one. Like, what are residencies? Like, so many uh, visual artists in my life like uh, mm. gravitate or have these residency opportunities. Are there also music residency opportunities? What could or should that look like? Mm-hmm. What other grants are there? Um, and like funding, inc- like funding streams uh, to support folks that just like want to have a creative practice and like without being tethered to the idea of playing shows or um, putting out merch and stuff like that. There has to be other inroads mm-hmm. to support what is vibrant culture, you know? Right. So as far as my knowledge, I mean, I guess um, that person you mentioned before who knows a lot in I shall. I shall. I shall. I shall? Yeah, it's like Michelle, but with an I. And I shall. Stuff. Okay, cool. I need to talk to her about uh, a little that more into depth. But um, as far as my knowledge, it's like BMI or ASCAP. And then, and then there's also CSAC too, which is another C-SAC, one. And okay. then allegedly two more new ones formed during the pandemic, whose Ew. names I don't know. Okay. But but as an artist, can you only be under one? Or correct. Can you, okay. Yeah. So gotcha. you like basically sign as 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna start talking like I know. I don't know. <laughs> you sign the and like that's your like affiliation, and then they're the responsible party for like collecting these different gotcha. pieces of it. Yep. As I understand, but like I said, I still yep. one. I'm under BMI and. Um, yeah, it's been working so far, you know, <laughs> it go, seems like go. it's been going well. I feel like she's, yeah, I feel like that's her, ch- uh, her organization of choice, but I can't Interesting. remember. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, cactus plus, <laughs> I'm like trying to dissect it. Oh, so like renovations for cactus other than the new bathroom and the ramp ramp. Uh-huh. You mentioned extending the back room. Yeah, totally. Is that so, more for the bathroom or is that for? No, just for like the actual like uh, live space Ooh, just to have more yeah. comfortable environment. We talked Sweet. about the idea of having like maybe a sunken pit um, so that for better sight lines for folks, again, of different abilities. But also there's something like really fun and it doesn't have to be like a huge big stage to have a sunken pit. But just having two stairs down to give this like... Uh, sort of stratified viewing i think is cool yeah so like the pit would be right in front more yeah i'm kind of making it up as i go though we're like we don't have renderings yet we're we're talking with a few different architecture firms trying to figure out what is ideal and like dream super big and then like okay we can always scale it back but like Uh again we don't know what our budget is at all either so it's just kind of this like what comes first how do we do this Uh um but for sure making it up as we go but also a sprinkler system is also necessary. Sure. So uh, if you had a venue that was, say, 250 cap um, 10 years ago, it wasn't a re- or 15 years ago, it wasn't a requirement to have a sprinkler system. Since then, they've updated fire code and policy. So you can't have a space that's over 100 cap without a sprinkler system. Oh, wow. Um, so that's another like new okay. thing that we're learning yeah. about six like inch one water door main. opens yeah. up like yeah. three doors yeah totally like oh sure <laughs> of course let's get that sprinkler right. oh hvac yeah let's go would it like a gofundme help or would that be completely out of the question or to be honest i i don't think there's anything that's out of the question like uh my personality type is really bad at asking for like helper questions or stuff like that Unfortunately, I have people that are way smarter in my life that um, are able to connect the dots where like when uh, COVID-19 first hit and we shut down and I was like, we're going to be closed for two or three weeks. And right. Anika <laughs> um, and Tasha were like, all right, we're doing a GoFundMe. And like, I was like, oh, no, no, no. Mm. And was such a game changer. I mean, actually, literally like uh, a life jacket where we would have drowned otherwise because there's yeah. no way to anticipate um, in the community generally community generosity was huge um and then even with we have a patreon account and when my roommate old roommate tasha and uh collaborator and best friend who's this brilliant filmmaker who's responsible for starting the moving image series that we do at cactus so um she had pitched patreon and i was like no that's like some whack bullshit that people try and like oh dangle a carrot like here's cool here's which no offense if you have a patreon i Zero subscribers, but I have one. There you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. So I was just like, I was so just dis. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I have one, you but heard, you, you could it. be the first one. Yeah. Um, but so it was such a hater, and she was just like, worst case scenario, no one fucking signs up. Who cares? Mm. But at the same time, for folks that don't live close by or folks that don't want another stupid t shirt, let's give them an option of a right. way who believe in what we're doing to support. And like, 
we had talked about originally having some of our digital programming because we were super active with all sorts of bullshit while we were closed as being exclusive to Patreon supporters. And then as quickly mm. as we thought about that, we're like, that's antithetical to everything we believe in. <laughs> we want it to be available. Like, that's the <laughs> point. Um, but it didn't seem like anyone really cared about whether it was private or like exclusive. It was more just like, yeah, we fuck with what you're doing. And if this is a mm-hmm. way, whether it's $5, we had some people, um, my friend Vic, like shout out, like 35 bucks a month or 50 wow, bucks a month. Yeah. Where... Yeah, just because we're broke doesn't mean everyone else. Like, somebody <laughs> has money. Like, people, right, yeah, you right. know. Um, so that was really eye-opening, too, where we still have this Patreon account where there's still, like, 80 subscribers or something. Wow. Bananas, um, which is, like, a super blessing and is able, like, when we do free events, when we do these sliding scale, 5 to $20 suggested donation, mm. like, we're only able to do that and support the youth internships because this, exists like this is like this like passive super positive just like permission giver Mm -hmm. um and so so i don't know maybe there'll be a gofundme once we have an idea i feel like we need to get the idea of like what's the best case scenario where everyone's like wow that'd be amazing right and then once we like (laughs) land on that then we'll be like all right everybody how bad do you think this should happen yeah right Um, then put it out yeah but we're definitely uh a couple two three steps away from that Mm -hmm. at the time well, how many, how much, do you have like a time frame at all as far as? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I used to be, I'm like slowly but surely becoming more realistic with like time and mm. whatever. Uh, I used to be like, all right, six months, we can do anything, anything. Is, <laughs> whereas the reality is I'm like, if we could get a plan we're in love with by fall of this year, that would be awesome. And then if we could do fundraising for all of 2024 because also i think most of the construction companies are going to be super busy jockeying for setting up for rnc hoopla um but also who knows what's going to happen with the economy in the next year who knows but so 2025 is kind of where i'm like that seems realistic that seems measured and then like the other thing that i have no concept of whatsoever is like what does that mean for cactus when the construct is it possible to basically build the right. whole the whole addition while we still just do what we do and then right. like be closed for and then a month unleash it. and then be like okay we <laughs> closed for a month and we got it all set up yeah and yeah I, what that what would that look like that I is interesting no i yeah so like huh. again i'm just super making it up as or yeah. we're all making everyone's making it oh, up yeah. as i go oh yeah but um but that's it's part of being human in yeah. the on the horizon is like figuring those steps yeah out. definitely well, that's exciting yeah uh, is there a part that you're most most excited about as far as uh um yeah i think ground level the series with ellie is yeah. something i'm most excited about. ellie I'm, has so much knowledge yeah and absolutely I, and is so talented in so many yeah. ways new honey creek was came out this weekend yep, Shout yep. Out honey creek um but yeah, I'm been so busy juggling so many pieces that sometimes I feel like I'm not present at all. Or even like bartending on Friday nights where it's like, all right, I've been here the last five and a half days, <laughs> 10 hours a day. And now it's Friday night and I'm like, what's up? What's new? And yeah. I'm like, Ugh, I, I got nothing. <laughs> Nothing's new. I have no, yeah. um, like a shell of a person. But then there's these other times where you connect with people that have these like 
ground springs of like oh this is what I'm interested in how do we connect this to this or like and that's to me the fulfilling part of this or you see like mm. kids get really hyped on the project that they're working on and like for me that's that's the magic and that's why I care about doing yeah. this is like <clears throat> how do we come together and share and like mutually empower one another I mean like that's that's the exciting shit yeah um so so I think that's what I'm most excited about is just having these various panel discussions and bringing in people with really varied perspectives. Um, if there are people out there, like, and even like myself, like, what is a good way to get involved? Like, are there tiers and how to get involved? If you don't that's have a, a really good question. Um, I mean, I always like to say just show up. Like, yeah. I feel like that gets you three steps ahead of writing and e- i mean writing an email is a good first step but like also just showing up right. um and there are events going on right now do you use ableton ever no i i used to okay that, no no that's a start <laughs> i've never used it i don't oh, know okay. anything about it whatsoever other than people i love dearly use it and are uh-huh. very talented um but we have like this ableton user group meetup that user oh. group is almost like maybe the wrong title for it because like Ableton maybe interested music enthusiasts right, and friends. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> User group does sound like Yeah, like a little more technical, a little <laughs> yeah, stuffier. Yeah. But and it's free and there's like an Ableton rep uh who's a part of it who like has these discount codes and has like all of these like hmm. different um applications for it, if you will. And so every month, it used to be every other month, but we're starting tomorrow tuesday yeah we're doing it every month um and gonna have featured artists that are a part of it but like again an opportunity to come together and be like oh i didn't know this cellist did this like wild looping whatever the Mm. hell and like i think in those environments it can be really powerful too in collaborations where it's like oh you're really talented you're really talented let's make it like let's do something like that like braiding those figures in because like everyone loves to talk about how siloed either uh art mediums are in this city which is true and valid or even music genres which is true and valid Mm -hmm. but i'm like okay how do we break that up like what are the spaces and the times where we can disrupt that or challenge that Mm -hmm. or god forbid get uncomfortable in that and then figure out like relationships of like oh damn that would be cool or let's do this like getting those people in the same room and sparking those conversations. Totally. And that's, yeah, yeah nine-tenths of the trouble is just getting people at the same time to congregate, you know? Right, right. So that's every Tuesday? Not right. every Tuesday. Uh, once, every, once, sorry. A, <laughs> once a month on a Tuesday or Monday, depending on what our show schedule is. Gotcha. Um, okay. But, yeah, or, or Cactus Book Club. I'm like, yeah, if you ever want to. So That's not yeah. a bad idea. I need to start reading more. Okay, yeah, wait, <laughs> let, me, let me go off for a second about how cool Cactus Book Club yeah. is. So Kelly's the organizer. I love how you guys have so many different things there's, involved with it. There's a lot involved. With Cactus Club. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, thanks. It's definitely not. Uh, it's so unique. Like it's, it, You could you can think of it in so many different ways as far as cactus club totally and i think that's what's really special and why we are able to sort of um exist through being closed for two years Mm. is that like the sentimentalism as the common thread of like some people were like it's a vegan bakery pop-up space and other people it's a reggaeton bar and for other people it's a seminal punk venue where they saw xyz and so like having these different elements of it 
I think it's like the blessing and the curse. Like if you went to a, a drag show last week or a queer dance party and then you show up and it's a bunch of spiky punk Looney Tunes, like, oh, that's not the space that I thought. But uh, uh, uh. but I'm like, no, like it is still this space. And mm-hmm. that's part of the beauty of it. Right. It's like revel in that and like, God forbid, like experience something that right. that sounds so condescending. I didn't mean it in a condescending way. Right. But like, I, but there is so much i think comfort is about the predictability element but also so much boredom is also that and like or stagnancy and i think mm-hmm. being able to fluidly uh engage with these different environments is super important um that's again sounds really self-aggrandizing but i don't mean in a personal way at all i just think it's like um there's so many people that are so talented in the city that i have like the fortune of and blessing of uh, getting to work with and collaborate mm-hmm. with, and it's so often where I'm like, "Damn, I wish you knew so and so," or like, yeah. "Like you should come to this thing," and it's like, "Yeah, but you know," um, and so that's kind of part of the vision for it. Cool, that makes sense. Yes, yes, Sorry. awesome. Yeah, like that makes sense somewhere yeah. out there. <laughs> with it. So Cactus Plus, Cactus Club, um, anything else that you wanted to touch on that we didn't at all? Um, wow, I feel like we really went all over the map. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Really went all over the really, map. Really, really insightful. Um, thank you. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm a little nervous about it, but. Uh, no, no, no. It was we're having fun. Amazing. Um, amazing. I'm in a new band. I guess I could shout that out. Oh, really? uh, cool. Yeah. So, um, I hadn't played drums for the last like three-ish years, which was really crazy because I, again, I had been playing since as a kid yeah and so you're then, a drummer yeah okay yeah gotcha. and only a drummer can't do anything else Sick. to save cool. my life cool. um but bonnie who was in this project called lawless she reached out and was like hey would you have any interest in jamming with me uh and dan who was in that band indonesian junk and i was like i don't really know how to jam but because i'm like used to playing with like my best friends inner circle like yep. that was like the zone and it feels really vulnerable to play with new people. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, I guess I have nothing really to lose. I mean, yeah, sure, let's try it. And it's been really fun. And it's, yeah, we're playing our first show at Cactus next month. Cool. Um, Yo. So, yeah, it, that's one What thing. kind of music? It's like 1980s uk inspired peace punk or something of the sort it's a little bit on my wheelhouse but it's really fun yeah yeah sweet what's the name of the group it's called world in action it's like the first time i'm like saying this like yeah yeah this is the band name sweet world in action nice that's really really cool (laughs) so one thing that i didn't think i asked or knew of like when did you like take over cactus club or when did you obtain it or totally yeah so position? february 12th of 2020 20 okay so, so like right like, before yeah it was one month um one month in like two days or something like wow that. wow gnarly yeah not ideal. <laughs> not ideal for sure yeah. uh and it's like goofy there's been some um there was an article that like referenced that I bought it during the pandemic and like the bravery of that. And I was like, Oh no, yeah. I did not buy it during. <laughs> it wasn't planned. It like, wasn't that planned. was not, no, I'm not that like <laughs> I'm off, but not like that. Like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just really, um, unfortunate accidental timing. Do you feel like 
we're kind of through with that uh, era a little Boy, bit. Do I, I mean, yeah, in, mo- like, in all s- like material measures, I th- I want to say yes. I think yeah. there's a lot that we like learned through it. Oh but, yeah. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, like the summer is before us, and we're gonna just like, lean in. It feels good. Yeah, it does feel feels good. Feels good. That's super true. Yeah. All right. Well, um, <laughs> if you want to wrap this up that was great and really really appreciate you coming over and talking with me and totally um sharing your history and knowledge even though you said you feel like you don't know a lot i feel like i don't know anything i mean (laughs) what you know and it's really really sweet to hear everything you're talking about thanks and it's really fun to talk about it but yeah i i hope it makes sense because I'm obviously really animated with my hands and normally I'm like, and then let me write this list. <laughs> um, and so I feel like often my brain will be like two steps ahead of what I'm saying. And then I'm like, what, what the fuck am I talking about right now? Like, oh, no. I was, I was following. Okay. And like, cool. Yeah. I went off in like different like categories Portal and directions. Then, I ca- then came back to <laughs> one and then, yeah. It was, yeah. Very entertaining. And, um, I guess, uh, educational and really, really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. I appreciate you doing it. I think it's really fun to see like sort of the constellation of folks that you're hosting and like, again, bringing these different perspectives and it's like really intentional and sweet way. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really trying to talk to a little bit of everyone in the Milwaukee scene and, um, and be that common denominator that's like all right yeah let's go let's go and i think that's even yeah evident like what's going on in your scene because i'm i'm involved in my scene and what i'm surrounded by but it's a really cool platform and um way of just talking to somebody that was long form too that um normally it's hard to get the the chance to right and the time to carve out to yeah. intentionally be like All right, especially in this day and age like post-covid it doesn't seem like people get coffee as much as they used to <laughs> or just like slow down yeah and yeah talking totally i mean yeah. and everyone's on their phone no matter what and that's the part too that i think is really special that's like step back away and be like no it doesn't all have to be reference points of this digital matter there's something so significant about like being present with somebody else and like having those lulls and thinking about like yeah again what do we care about what are we doing why are we doing what we do um which are really like uh building blocks of life questions but often in like the pace and haste of what we do really get lost and i think that's yeah a lot of folks personal frustrations are like tied up and being like i'm not act- self-actualizing what does that mean and why am i mm. where i'm at but it's like yes the world fucking sucks it for sure sucks but just do what you want like like mm-hmm. whatever that may mean yeah and it's crazy just with like the digital realm of everything and then your personal realm of everything and trying not to be too attached to the digital one as well i've been really focusing on a lot lately and yeah, it's just it it's doesn't feel. Yeah, it it's, really is, and there's so many beautiful things that come from that. Absolutely, and finding it's that so balance. It's so easy to dismiss it in one direction or another. Justy, the person mm. I've played music with forever that I keep referencing, <laughs> they uh, are on this new tip where they only use um, Instagram Tuesdays through Thursdays, and that's when they like mm. answer questions and like engage and all this whatever, and then Fridays through Mondays were like nope this is like my digital detox and like i sleep better and like i wake up better and i have like more fuller mornings um but just 
in conversing about like the implications of like how it sort of inserts itself into our like passive day in and day out uh-huh. um and to the point of reading oh yeah wait yeah the, the book club thing oh yeah um, i feel we, like we we, we, we <laughs> jumped it we jumped yeah. it but that's okay that's okay yeah, yeah. but for our point um it's so cool that kelly gets different community partners to choose the book and then another community partner to be the selected book vendor and so the subjects vary so drastically from really light and playful to really heavy and like deeply like social welfare impactful Mm. um and you can tap in and tap out you don't have to go to everyone and you don't have to finish the book to attend you can just like hang out and be like i only got the first fucking six pages Mm -hmm. but i want to kind of come hang and so many people that have attended were like, yeah, I just moved to town and like don't really know how to meet people. Or I just moved to town. I see the flyer everywhere. And I like to read, but like I don't like to go out. So like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? And like, and so it's been so cool to see this space created for playfulness. I'm obsessed with playfulness right now. I don't know if, yeah, we didn't really talk about that. But um, about how important it is to just like, sort of exhale and be present in like an ideas-based way where there's not like these um, agendas or expectations. So much of like these social environments is like trying to anticipate what comes next. And it's mm. like, no, it doesn't have, you, it's, like you're enough as you are. You don't yeah. have to prove anything here. Like, oh, that was a thing. This is a thing. And sort of like uh, having, having that framework of book club um, I think is really special and cool and like how do we like use that almost as a model for other things that we like we don't have to be we don't have to text each other but I can still like like and respect you as a person and like we can like coexist in these like intersecting ways does, yeah. does that make sense like I think so <laughs> as far as like the community around that um book club is it once uh I, I always say once a week for seven once no, uh, it's the first wednesday of every month okay um and so it's yeah it's when i was like or you could do it uh, we've been talking about having an artist host it and we just keep hopping to different organizations but i think it's super fun and it's again it's like oh this is a book i've been meaning to read or like right. this is a book that i really liked and this is why i think it's like important to talk about for whatever reason uh-huh do y'all post online a- at all or anywhere on like what book you're on? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I can send you a link with it. But yeah, the one thing because we're doing so much on Instagram, it's just like, oh yeah, here are today's three posts, and yeah, it's just right. like, whoa, okay, <laughs> slow down. Yeah. I don't need to see every. Um, but we are talking about doing a Cactus Plus specific mm. uh, Instagram account. So for folks that are like, okay, I don't care about music like this. But yeah, tell me about your seed swap. Tell me about right, your right. workshop on whatever the f- it is. Yeah. Um, and so I think that will be helpful <coughs> too to have it in like at least a little bit more linear fashion. Yeah. Are your events all on the website too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally. There's all of these like different events that you keep talking You're about. Like, I was like, ooh, that'd be like really about? fun to check out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So the website's seed really... Swap. <laughs> seed Swap. Seed yeah. Swap cracked off. The yeah. Seed Swap was it. The Seed Swap yeah. was the event of the year. Um, yeah, it was super cool. Like kids, like five years old coming in with their parents or like some like lady in her eighties hung out super hard and she was just like, I'm a lifelong gardener. And I was just like, I'm dead. This is so, so tight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big garden enthusiast. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do another, uh, 
a plant sale at the end of May that's worth noting and then um, another seed swap I think in July and then a seed saving workshop in September because like yeah you like you grow stuff all like every year but like do you ever keep the seeds I never Mm. I'm like maybe this is the year I keep the seeds yeah so like the seeds already on the plant. And the thing. So then you plant it next year. And then you save them for throughout the winter. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, yeah, like five years ago when we first started gardening or six years or whatever it's been now, um, my dumb ass planted like three or four carrot seeds. And then three or four carrots came up and I was like, what the fuck? I've been watering these for like months and this is, I get one carrot a thing. And yeah, my roommate was like, what did you think would happen? There'd be a carrot tree? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I was like, I don't, yeah, like I didn't grow up in a household that was really into that kind of stuff. And so the novelty of like, oh, seed becomes a seedling and then it becomes food was super novel. Uh Uh-huh. That's where I'm at, right? Yeah, okay, <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, same tip, same tip. Yeah, but cool. th- there's something really meditative and fun about it. And mm-hmm. that feels like uh, really in parallel with a lot of like uh, artistic practices too. Mm-hmm. All right, All should right, we yeah, uh, wrap yeah. this up? Yeah, sorry, pro- I no, 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 no. Is no, it still no. going? Yeah, yeah oh, we've been chilling. B- oh, my bad. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is normal. This is completely normal. Uh, usually uh, I don't know how to wrap these up but thank you so much for coming on this is really really great and um, we'll have to talk again soon reconvene in uh, when the uh, nonprofit is up and up and going absolutely we'll have a celebratory party oh yes yes thanks for watching y'all see ya (laughs)